time, folks. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to episode 56 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. We are here in Gotham City. Whoa, yeah. In our recording studio, set up in one of the many unused rooms in stately Wayne Manor. We're pretty sure Bruce doesn't even know we're in here. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Some know me as Death Robe. And joining me, as always, is the Robin to my Batman. Hmm. It's going to be Pat Sampson, but he's not here. So you know what? Batman solo book, no partner. But who can we check in on? Ah, the laziest Alfred Pennyworth of all time. Here's my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. And how are we today, Jason? You know what? I've had enough. I've had enough of these shenanigans. I've had enough of Delvin showing up here late. Delvin, go stand over there in the corner. Go stand over there in the corner. Oh, okay. All right. Hit it, Mary Jane. You got it, baby. Wait. <laughs> oh, 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 my goodness. You're so cute. Oh, my God. Mary Jane, why are there a bunch of puppies down there? You said get your pit and fill it full of cocker spaniels. I said crocodiles, Mary Jane. Was well, that my fault, baby? You mumble and I'm always on meth. It's <laughs> true. That's fair point. <laughs> These puppies are so cute. They're Just adorable. close the door. Delvin, you sit down there and think about what you've done. I will. They're adorable. Thank you. Send me some puppy chow. When did you have time to install the trap door in Wayne Manor? Or was it already here? Don't worry about it. Well, now that we've lost Delvin to the pit of Cocker Spaniels... <laughs> And the laziest Alfred Pennyworth, Jason, has checked in. I guess we're not going to have a commissioner on this episode, but you know what we do have? We do have a guest, a return guest to the Saturday Matinee Theater. We welcome back Dave, the Battle Wagon Collins. (laughs) I I got a thing on my screen that says Battle Van. So I didn't even put that there. So I know that in your heart is Battle Van. (laughs) Okay. I, I mean, know you in did, your heart. I think you did put that there. But Dave, it's been a while since you joined us. You haven't joined us for a Batman yet, so you get to answer the Batman questions. What's your first memory of Batman? And what's your favorite iteration of the character on screen? So first memory of Batman and your favorite iteration of the character on screen. Well, my first memory of Batman would definitely be some old beat up Batman comic that I probably traded something of mine far at school. My favorite screen adaptation has got to be Batman the Animated Series. We get that, that answer a fair amount, and that's correct. Yes. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you are right. I'll tell you right now, I think my favorite is still the Mask of the Phantasm movie, which is well, was, Batman the Animated Series. Batman Mask of the Phantasm is fantastic. I mean, it's very loosely based on, what was that, year two? I think that one, yeah, the year two that Tom McFarlane did those early Batman covers on because it's got the guy with the hook. I can't remember his uh, Reaper or something like yeah. that. I never it's made very, that connection until just now. But yeah, no, I, I'm here for these things. It's very kind of follows in that vein. And I do love that movie. That movie is amazing. That's a series that to me just got better. I mean, it started off strong. You get through season two and I think three. And in season four, they changed the style of the characters a little bit. And you bring in Nightwing and mm-hmm, you got mm-hmm. the Tim Drake. Batgirl gets a bigger portrait. It's a really great, really strong show. I, I concur. Good choice. With Pat uh, not with us tonight. Not sure where he's off to. Maybe he was in the puppy pit before. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But Jason, can I count on you to do the show description? You sure can, Jared. 
Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review show brought to you by the Long Box Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movie serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. On this episode, we'll continue our dive into 1943's Batman serial. 1943's Batman serial was produced by Rudolph C. Flotho. It starred Lewis Wilson as Batman and Douglas Croft as Robin. So grab your batarang, fire up the Batmobile, and swing into adventure. But don't forget to feed your crocodiles. Now, before we hand it, I guess, back to Jason, <laughs> this episode's information, let's take a look, or in this case, a listen to a commercial that would have been playing at the time this episode was released back in 1943. This will help us get in the right time frame of mind, if you will, and transport us back to the 40s. For this episode's commercial retro rewind, we have Band-Aids. Look, here is the new Band-Aid plastic strip with new Super Stick. It sticks better than any other bandage. The proof? Take a dry egg at room temperature. Touch the egg with any other bandage. Brand X, brand Y, brand Z. Not one sticks. But a Band-Aid plastic strip with new Super Stick sticks tight instantly. Watch it again in slow motion. No pressure, yet we can lift the egg, even boil it. And the Band-Aid plastic strip never comes loose. Maybe you don't want to broil eggs this way, but you do want the extra protection of Band-Aid plastic strips. They take better care of little cuts and scratches. They stay put. Yes, even in hot, soapy dishwater. Neat, flesh-colored, almost invisible. Band-Aid plastic strips with new super stick stick better than any other bandage. Made only by Johnson & Johnson, the most trusted name in surgical dressings. Be sure you get Band-Aid plastic strips. Okay, guys, Band-Aids. What do you think of that? Dave, you get to weigh in first. What do you think of that Band-Aid commercial? So this is more of a question than a comment. When they zoom in to show you the Band-Aid sticking to the egg in slow motion, is that really slow motion? Or is that them just moving their hand a little slower? Because <laughs> it looks like they're just trying to move slower. It's not like they run the film any slower. And I watched it three times just to see if I could tell. But I was so like, I think they just zoomed in and tried to move their hand really slow because it was real skippy. It would have been and, even uh, funnier if the actress would have had a, like a line and she would have done that real slowy talk, you know, like. <laughs> that and the fact that I always bore my eggs with band-aids. I've done that since I was a kid. I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah, my I, mean, I think we all I think we all use band-aids to boil our eggs. <laughs> she clearly told us we didn't have to. But all right. Band-aids. Jason, what would you think of that? So when it started, I was impressed. I was like, okay. 
Band-Aid X sucks. Band-Aid Y sucks. Band-Aid Z sucks. Band-Aid, the real Band-Aid, well, that's doing the trick. Uh-huh. And then she shows it holds this egg, and it holds this egg in this hurricane, and it holds the <laughs> egg underwater. And I'm like, do I want this on my skin? <laughs> I thought like, the same uh, thing. How do you usually, get it off? <laughs> usually I got to take this bee off, man. So I was a little perplexed and I've worn a Band-Aid from Tyra too. And I was like, I don't think it really, now I want to see, I want to boil an egg and I want to see if my Band-Aid will actually. They may have changed the formula since then for their stickiness. You Mm -hmm. never know. You know, everything in the forties was tougher. You know, the men were tougher. The cars were tougher. Everything was tougher. The Mm Band-Aids were tougher. I did have one other thing that I couldn't help but noticing. And that's, I guess, because we live in a modern world, but you know, nobody had heard of showing a little skin or sex appeal because that lady has a dress on from her neck all the way down to her hands. And it is like buttoned up tight all the way down. And I'm like, Wow. Okay, that's not where I was going to go with it. It was, you know, 1940s, much like the cereal, we make some allowances for a different time. It's not always the most politically correct on the cereal. And what made me a little bit laugh about that in the 40s was the Band-Aid comes in flesh tone. And I'm like, well, I I guess for... for (laughs) I'm going to guess one color. All right, now that we're in our 1940s mindset and we all have one universal flesh tone, here's Jason with the episode info. All right, chapter four was titled Slaves of the Rising Sun. The director was Lambert Hillier. The writers were Victor McLeod, Leslie Swabacker, and Harry L. Fraser. It guest starred J. Carol Nash as Dr. Tito Daka, Shirley Patterson as Linda Page, William Austin as Alfred, and Gus Glassmeyer as Dr. Martin Warren. As a reminder, all 15 episodes are available on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast, because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode, and then we're going to discuss it. So there are probably some spoilers heading your way. So again, if you haven't watched this episode... We recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, and then come back to join our discussion. And about 20 minutes per episode is not a big time. For those of you who are watching along with us, we'd love to hear your insights. And don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag, I'm following Batman. Dave, kick us off. Hashtag, I'm following Batman. Jared. Hashtag, I'm following Batman. And hashtag on following Batman. And with that, let's turn it over to Jared for the episode summary. When last we saw Batman, he'd been knocked unconscious on the railroad bridge as a train was barreling down on him. And here we see the value of having a Robin, because the boy wonder acted quickly, pushed Batman off the bridge into the waters below. Dr. Daka's lackey, Mr. Foster, 
returns to give Daka the bad news that the train wasn't derailed and they didn't recover the radium gun. But, you know, Batman might be dead. And Foster might have been granted some measure of mercy from Daka until he has an unfortunate bout of patriotism and tells Daka he's not going to support the Japanese insurrection anymore, which promptly leads Foster being dropped into Daka's hidden alligator pit. For some reason, Linda has been put in charge of receiving a radium shipment that Dr. Daka is interested in. So Daka sets yet another trap for Linda at a fortune teller's establishment. Bruce and Dick get there before Linda, and Bruce knocks out the fake fortune teller and takes his place. But curveball, the bad guys have a secret entrance to the fortune teller's shop, and they KO Linda and take her radium paperwork. As the villains attempt to get away in their armored car, Batman and Robin give chase. Batman uses the radium gun to gain entrance to the armored car, but as he fights with the driver, they go over a cliff. Will Batman survive the deadly crash? Will Dr. Daka use his mind-controlled Dr. Martin for all of his around-the-house chores? With Bruce potentially dead, will Robin have to be placed with foster parents or move into his own apartment? We're not sure how old he is. Tune in and find out. With that, let's get into our highs and lows on the episode. And Dave, you get to lead us off, so you get to take the best ones first. So what do you got? High, low, what the? I could talk about this episode for probably an hour. And, you know, it's kind of like the Flash, Gordon's. It's got its moments, but it's got its charm. And I've seen some of these before. And there is something I want to talk about in another episode, but I can't say that. It's I don't want to spoil anything for later. But so I think it kind of happens at the tail end of the last episode of Bleeds into this one where they're on the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, they run mm-hmm. out and they kind of attack the four guys. And then Batman promptly runs down the track and leaves Robin fighting like the three grown men while he goes and takes care of the one guy. Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. stops on the train track and he does this weird head bobbing thing. Like you're on a train track and there's a train coming. You ain't got to look too hard for that. <laughs> I mean, he totally ignores that there's a fight going on behind him. And then, of course, he gets clubbed and gets knocked out. And I'm just thinking, that does not seem like world's greatest detective. <laughs> it's train track. Traffic from direction A or direction B. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but if you go back and watch it, he's like, and I know this is not a video podcast, but <laughs> all the out there, I am bobbing my head like a pigeon. <laughs> I can confirm he's bobbing his head like that. That is a definite opinion, Bob. I just, I just you know, thought I, that was I, hilarious I, right off the bat. That's not my I best. I took that one. to mean like he was. That was like the physical acting of him, like defusing the bomb. I guess I, I made an allowance in my mind for that, but I guess Lady we didn't really see him do bomb. that. I, uh-huh. Go back and watch it. I don't know yeah. why it stuck out to me. You know, I always watch these things twice. I watch them the day before and the day of, and that's when I take my notes. So I get a double dose pretty quick. So I usually see. <laughs> see that (laughs) (laughs) all right the next one is of course jason what do you think well if you recall on our last batman episode when i talked about it i made mention that what i was looking for was a good resolution to the cliffhanger of the train of batman having to defuse the bomb with the train bearing down on him i feel like as a high we got a pretty good resolution on that i took it as batman has to both fight that guy, defuse the bomb with the stress of the train coming on him. Robin's doing his job, taking on like three guys, like Dave mentioned, at the other end of the track. Batman gets knocked out. Robin goes up there. And this is the moment where I was looking. I was like, this is where it's going to get silly, right? But no, I thought this was brilliant. Robin's like, I can't carry this guy and outrun the train. 
I'm going to knock his fat off the trestle <laughs> into the water. That was a brilliant move. It was realistic. And again, good physical acting by both of the actors. So um, Risk getting run over by a train or risk drowning the guy. Good for well, drowning. It's like, got to play the odds, right? So <laughs> certain death versus possible death. So I liked it. I thought it was a good resolution and a great opening for this episode. All right, I will. Uh, I'll jump in, even though I don't normally. But since there's three of us, I'll jump in on one here. I just got tickled when Linda called Bruce and was like, "Man, I got this heavy stuff. I need a little bit of help." And Bruce was like, "Oh, <laughs> sorry, but I promised Dick we'd go to the polo match." And they're like snickering each other, like, "Ha ha ha ha!" She's buying this, and they're like, "We're being a holes to Linda." Ha ha ha! I mean, Bruce <laughs> clearly does not care. Well, I was about to say he doesn't care about you know the bedroom time. But then now I've just realized he's Bruce Wayne. I mean, his pickings are pretty elaborate. <laughs> so, okay. I talked myself out of my low. It's a high now. It's a high. The glee that he had, at like, oh, we're totally being jerks to her. And it's hilarious. It's the same glee they had when they were being jerks to Alfred, shooting the radium gun at him. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Same glee. They're like giving each other this mental high five over there. Like, oh, we're really pulling the wool over her eyes. And I'm like, man, she thinks you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> she gave you in her time of need. Like, you really think she's the worst. And so while she's on the table, now, she's no Princess Aura, but she's an attractive lady. I thought oh, Linda yeah. was an attractive lady. So mm-hmm. I felt bad for her because she's just like, I'll just call somebody else. <laughs> I did like, she basically was like, I got no time for this. <laughs> I, she, I think she literally said, I don't have time for this. I'll just call somebody else. Bye. But yeah, yeah that was a good scene. I like that one. Well, kind of you know, a little bit of a serious spin on it. I get what you're saying, Jared, because on the one hand, it is Batman-like to do something like that, right? Mm-hmm. He has to play the part, but it's not Batman-like. <laughs> For him to enjoy playing that <laughs> The glee he took in it is what put it over the top. He usually looks really sad when he has to do that. Like, if you go back and watch Batman Begins when he's acting the fool in the hotel with the girls, you know, he's got that look like, oh my God, this sucks. I don't really want to do this, but he does it to play the part. But yeah, you're right in this. He was just like, <laughs> oh, just jacked all the way up. Dave, I send it back to you, sir. What do you got for us? So we've already talked about the gator pit. And we'll briefly mention that the gentleman is obviously not Japanese that's playing that part, which is, you know, a shame. You know, but of course, it was the 40s. That kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier about the Band-Aids. But my mm-hmm. real thing about it, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, but he's Dr. feeding. Dr. Daka? Yeah, Dr. Daka, that's it. So he's feeding the alligators. And then he's talking to them like you do. You talk to your alligators when you feed them. And it looked like he's feeding them barbecue chickens. And he mm-hmm. runs out and he goes, oh. <laughs> You still hungry? And he just looks up at that guy and eyes him up and down. Want a little something special? And right before he goes to shove this dude in there with alligators, the buzzer ring, and he just gets so frustrated that he didn't get to feed that guy. He just shakes his fist like a spoiled child. He's just like, oh. Oh, oh Dave, let me add another layer to you. The guy that he's got mind controlled there, yeah. To basically do his household chores. Right, right. Is Dr. Martin. That's Linda Page's uncle. And right, he's like right. a brilliant engineer. So I'm like, you have this brilliant engineer mind controlled and you're using him to carry buckets of meat around. He's and on a whim, you're going to just put him in your alley. Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing you sake. And he was so frustrated. But then I thought, let's bring it from a, a weird place to a high. I thought, what a beautiful sense of foreshadowing. Because I said, 
Somebody's going in that pit. Oh, yes. <laughs> Somebody's going down and that you pit. Knew, you knew the minute that Mr. Forrester had that bout of patriotism. You're like, oh, Forrester. <laughs> in the pit, buddy. As soon as he walked in, I said, he's the one. <laughs> he ain't gonna make he's it. going down. Well, speaking of being in the pit, Jason. Wait, Delvin's in the pit. <laughs> yeah, Delvin's in the pit. I made the pit. Mary Jane messed up the pit. <laughs> Delvin's in the pit. It all goes back to math. Yeah, yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. That's the lesson. I'm going to keep rolling on the Dr. Daka piece. Uh, and this is in solidarity to Delvin, who couldn't be here this evening. Because Delvin, on the last episode, spoke a lot about Daka and said, I hope he continues to show that menace and show that he's a mental match for Batman. And I think this episode, clearly, he did. I was legit worried that, well, there goes old girl's uncle. He's going. (laughs) I really thought he was like, are they going to show this? So that was a big piece of suspense. And then when his plan goes sideways and old boy starts talking smack up against him and then decides to get about a patriotism. Well, we talked about how that ended again. It's a game of chess with the scene with the fortune teller. And Daka seems to be matching Batman move for move on this thing. So that's going to be my high. I'm going to continue that Dr. Daka uh, solidarity call along with Delvin here. That was really good. I agree, Jason. Credit where credit's due. We talked about this. Yeah, we did discover even though it was a pretty darn good makeup job. There's a white guy playing a Japanese guy. Not Again, not a common for back then. Not the coolest thing now. But we also discussed about how in the 40s, especially with the anti-Japanese sentiment of World War II, it'd be real easy to make him a buffoon or not a threat, but they have, in that regard, I will give them full credit. So far, they have taken the high road and made him a legit villain. And I think, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I tell you what I will add to this is the commitment to the radium gun. Like, I thought the radium gun was going to be kind of like a one and done, kind of like Flash would have a cool weapon or he'd be invisible for an episode. But man, the radium gun has been a key plot point and important to every episode since it showed up. He needed the radium gun to get into the armored car this time. That radium gun, it ain't going away. Speaking of the radium gun, when they're in the, I call it the Batcave bathroom, and he goes, you were right. They were going to try to get that train. How'd you know? He goes, radium gun. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. He goes, it's radium gun. <laughs> radium gun's the answer to everything in this so you you brought up about him using it to get into the the armored car which i thought was really awesome but then he climbed back out and the door was unlocked and he just climbed right into the door with the driver kind <laughs> of defeated the purpose of the armored car didn't he? Like, <laughs> apparently once you're in you've got I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so i just thought that was hilarious i was like had to blast his way into the back but i was like, i'm into the front that was pretty good driving by the boy wonder or the late 20s wonder oh is he have his license way, nobody checks license plates in their main car around gotham city or wherever. <laughs> we've had we've had that discussion <laughs> the batmobile is basically bruce wayne's car let's get in the back and change nobody will see you back there <laughs> it was a simpler time doesn't uh, take the riddler to piece that puzzle together, <laughs> oh good as well Actually, that's the end of official highs and lows. Uh, Jason, you got anything left on your radar? No, I think uh, I think we talked about just about everything. I mean, we didn't really talk about the scene with the mind reader. I thought that was actually pretty good, too. Yeah, I guess I will. I'll pull a pat here. I thought that what was interesting there was 
I was curious how he was going to fool Linda when she got. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool how he just turned off the light. And there was kind of like that menace in there. And uh, it was just kind of a good tense scene between the two of them. So this is one that I think all the scenes worked really well. And there was a lot in it. I mean, right in that summary, I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, there's so much going on. And, and again, we've said a hundred times, this serial has its dated issues. I was really worried that Bruce Wayne was going to go over the top with the fake accent. <laughs> when, when, I was, too. I was like, oh, I thought for sure he was going to go way the other way with it. And and he, he kept it. He kind of did that Batman thing. Just kind of hush yeah. and muffle <laughs> Keep it low. And I was like, OK, all right. Because it's, it's, got, it's, it's got enough problems as it is. It doesn't need any more problems. I mean, it was made in the 40s, and where I'm not saying it was right, but at that time, nobody, that's just how things were. Now, I don't think it's bad, but it, it is not something that we would obviously show today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's easy to look back in hindsight. Hindsight is always 2020. Fair but, point. Excellent. Anything left on you? You play the role of Pat. I know you got something else on your radar. I know I, you I got one more. So after the, the scene with the Swami and they, I did like he runs out and he's like giving Alfred, and, I thought told you to follow her. <laughs> she didn't come out yet, dude. Like, and so they run back and I thought it was hilarious that he runs all the way back into the inner chamber and Robin's the one that goes, hey, Bruce right here, there's... Here's the door right here. And then they find her. And then let me set the stage. Batman is supposed to be the greatest mind in the DC universe. I mean, this guy is the greatest mind. He can outthink you. He can outfight you. But more than anything, he outthinks you. He looks at Alfred. He goes, get a cab and take her. And he starts to come up with something. He goes, just make up something. I like that too, yeah. (laughs) Just make up something. I mean, I came up with polo match earlier. Alfred, it's your turn. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one a day. I'm one a day on these excuses. Like, don't put all the work on me, dude. Just think about <laughs> I'm the world's greatest detective whose ward just had to find the secret chamber before me. <laughs> I mean, and I got to get these radium papers because all I got to do is show up with these papers and now hand me this radium. I love how paperwork is the key to this episode. It's all about paper. And why would Linda Page, who I believe is a reporter, I may be wrong. But I thought I she was a reporter too. Why would she be involved in a radio exchange? Maybe I got wrong. Maybe she's a, in science or something. I thought she was a reporter too. Uh, I mean, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't figure that one out too. When I went back and watched it the second time, I was like, maybe I missed something. Let me watch this again. But I did. Was there? Well, with that, let's get into fun facts with Jared. And fun facts with Jared this time, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive into Lambert. Harwood Hillier, a cool middle name, the director of this series. And I'm going to admit that this is pretty much 100% (laughs) cribbed from Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt. But I thought, you know, we've never actually just stopped and really just, I'll, I'll focus a little bit here and there for fun on certain people in the cast and crew. But I thought, well, what's this guy done? What's Lambert Hillier done before? Well, I'm going to give you the lowdown. He was born on July 8th of 1893 in Tyner, Indiana. Jason and I are both born in Indiana, so that's, you know. It's a Hoosier. Yeah. His mother was a character actress named Lydia Knott. He himself was a graduate of Drake College. He worked as a newspaper reporter and an actor in vaudeville and stock theater. During World War I, he began working in motion pictures and became a prolific director and screenwriter, working on many silent era westerns by William S. Hart, Buck Jones, Tom Mix, and others. Often associated with producer Thomas H. Ince, 
Hillier expanded into romantic melodramas and crime films in the 1920s. In 1936, he directed two chillers for Universal, the science fiction film The Invisible Ray and the cult horror film Dracula's Daughter. He directed the first screen depiction of Batman in a 15-part serial produced in 1943. Sound familiar? Because that's what we're watching. What I didn't know is that this serial was going to be re-released as a theatrical feature in 1965. They basically chopped it down to a usable length and released as a feature film in 65. He directed many B-movies for Columbia Pictures in the 30s and 40s, including the Westerns that were his specialty. Hillier finished his career directing low-budget dramas and Westerns for monogram pictures. In the early days of television, Hillier also directed episodes of the syndicated Western The Cisco Kid. Hillier directed at least one episode of Highway Patrol, which starred Roderick Crawford, and he died July 5th, 1969 in Los Angeles. So there you have it. A little biography, a little a little change from fun facts, but I thought, you know, let's go deep on learn a little. He almost bit. died on his birthday. You know, that's a good point. Almost he was three birthday. days off, three yep. days off. So while you were reading that, first of all, 1893, like this guy was born. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if you talk to anybody who tries to get into acting or anything today, they'll tell you how extremely hard it is to break in and get a job and all that stuff. But if you think of the sheer amount of things that are filmed today, how hard it is for somebody to get into that field, think about how monumentally hard it had to be back in these days when there wasn't hardly anything being filmed. So you really got to give these guys credit for really going after their dream. It was truly a, a dream and a prayer back in those days now yeah, you can, pioneer almost you know yeah i mean it's like space travel for these guys so when we watch these old things you know i know we pick at them and make fun out of fun of them of some of the things based on what we have now but when you think about the legacy that they left and how they built that thing it's really impressive that's a good point dave we do pick and, and make fun and things are outdated and sometimes uncomfortably so as we mentioned tonight but this is the building blocks that what we enjoyed today was built on and so, yeah, respect. Yeah, without this, there would be no Marvel Cinematic Universe today. Interesting point. Yeah. So props to the people that were just slapping stuff together, you know, space bears and uh, orangipoids and, and the Flash cereal. And uh, however the heck electricity worked in episode two of the cereal, we're still not sure. They were just getting it done. And with that, let's get into our Batarang ratings. For this episode, you give up to five Batarangs. Five means you loved it. Four means it was very good. Three means it was good. And two is just okay. And one, I did not like it. Jason, let's start with you. This is going to be my first one. I'm going all in with a five. Whoop, whoop. I think that this one held my attention. There was a lot of good action. There's good tension and more character development. And a lot of stuff happened in it. Didn't seem like it was long, but... They crammed a lot in there, so five for me. Nice. Dave? I'm going to play the match game because I agree 100% with what he said. I think it was 18 minutes and 26 seconds or something like that, so right at 20 minutes. But they put a lot of stuff in there. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff we poke fun at and that kind of thing. But they put so much in there. They really gave you where these people are coming from. They set up the bad guy. Like you said, it's, he's matching wits with Batman. Batman's in a secret lair doing stuff. He's trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. He's got some physical acting going on there. He does the train tracks. They do the, the swimming, the jumping on top of the car. Like, there's a, the punching one punch the guy out. So, it's a lot of good stuff. I'm going to go with Weasel School. Five all the way. Oh, man. I mean, everybody get up. Get up. 
<laughs> so I, I'll go with a five on this too. When I led into this, I guess I should wait to let the music finish playing. <laughs> I just assume five is doing its thing right now. <laughs> Play it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I went into this recording tonight, I was thinking, I think I like this to the tune of a four. But like you guys have jazzed me up, and the more I think of it. I'm like, yeah, this was the fastest 18 minutes because so much got packed in here. And I respect that their use of our time and everybody got a moment. You got a really good DACA scene. You got some good Bruce Wayne scenes. You got some good Batman action scenes. It like had everything you want in it. So yeah, let's get on the five train. Let's make that happen. Let's get into the Gotham City mailbag. We are, of course, thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show content, free raffle entries, and so much more. Here are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis, Bill Beer, Blasted or Stash, Braxton Underwood, Clinton Robinson, Dave Collins, I've heard of that guy, Gerald Green, Greg Van Leuven, Jeremy L. Oh, here we go. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like the Jarman too. Not bad, not bad. Gary V. Joe Thomas. John Watson. John and Meg. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy, Tim Price, come on down. The Toronto Cop. Brad Morin. If we miss anyone on our list, of course we apologize. Just remember, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But no worries, you can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it squared away. If you want to join, you just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. It's as simple as that. No questions. If you I have a couple questions. No, moving on. Uh, if you don't have any extra <laughs> scratch laying around, but you still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this show. Even if you want to keep it short with star ratings, that's cool. We just want to raise the profile of the show and bring new listeners in to talk about these great old-timey things that are kind of forgotten. Just one more question, Jay. <laughs> I was doing a Columbo on me. Patreon.com slash Longbox Crusade is the only answer. And with that, Jason, close it down. That's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, and more... Check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers. You can also find us on www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Longbox Crusade. Pat, I don't know why you suddenly sounded like C-3PO, but good job. Back to you. Thank you, Pat. If you want to hear us on our track through all the James Bond films, check out Under Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. It's on iTunes, Google Play, most other podcatchers. You can go to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com or check us out on Twitter at OHMSPod. And if you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... 
Jared, why don't you kick us off? I am at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It is all at Yard Sale Artist. I'm also probably at your local Chinese restaurant. And you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Old Dave Collins, where can they find you if they're looking for you? Well, org. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> are you still uh, are you still going cold turkey on the uh, social medias? I am still cold turkey on a self-imposed sabbatical from all social media, but there are some people I would like to hear from. And I missed that part of it. So if anybody is listening and they just want to chat with the battle van, you can email me at oldben1972 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from anybody. I am especially excited to talk about anything. So just hit me up. Who's uh, Battlefan again? Yeah, who's Battlefan? <laughs> Is that your son? Oh, your son <laughs> wants to talk. That makes sense. All right. Uh, in all seriousness, you heard him. Reach out. He wants to chat. He's lonely. He wants the thrill of the social media Without the crap of the social media. (laughs) That's not not a bad idea. (laughs) And I think that is very, very wise. What could we do? Hey, we could actually talk to one another. We could indeed talk to one another. I'm pretty friendly. but So I hate to get in an elevator with people and they're all on their phones. So now if I get into a crowded elevator, which I hadn't been able to do that in about two years, but when I do and they're all on their phones, I just make it a point to talk to them all and interrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, what's your texting? I'm standing right here. Who are you texting? Whoever that is is thousands of miles away. I'm right here. Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> All right. And if you want to interact with us with live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Please subscribe to Longbox Crusade on YouTube and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. We'll see you next episode as we return to our coverage of the 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series, The Meetup Location, 221B Baker Street. <laughs>